<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Your coordination and balance help you to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments and experience. Magnesium is naturally found in foods like This is the Well and Good Podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. I'm Ella Dove, and today we're sharing the story of a very dear friend of Well and Good, Amanda Klutz. Amanda is a ray of sunshine with an infectious personality like no other. I've never met anyone who can get me to jump, skip, and smile through a 45-minute workout class the way that she can. But... Over the past year, Amanda has been through a lot. In anticipation of her new book, Live Your Life, it felt like the right time to catch up, to reflect on her journey from working odd jobs to guiding many of us through the grief of the past two years, all while managing her own. Today, she's joined by her sister, Anna, her co-author. So let's start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about your story and how you got into everything you've built today. I was just talking to somebody else about all my different jobs I've had in life. That is Amanda. They range from a hot dog costume in a supermarket <laughs> with a band <laughs> to airbrushing. How old were you when you did that? High school to airbrushing naked bodies at Beach Bum Tanning Salon in New York mm-hmm. City to a Radio City Rocket. I grew up dancing. I moved to New York City with the dream of being on Broadway and wanting to be a Radio City Rocket. So I put myself in a situation where I knew that I could cultivate all of the things that I needed to know how to do in order to make those things happen. So I went to a musical theater conservatory, started working on Broadway, and and then that whole, those 19 years were a mixture of Broadway and uh, Rockettes and film and TV and award shows and parades and all sorts of different things, morning television shows. And in the midst of that, finding fitness as my through line for a stable job because performing is so up and down. And fell in love with teaching and fitness. And then one day thinking, maybe I want to start my own fitness company and with this jump rope idea that I had. And also at the same time thinking I want to take control of my life because I was sick of the up and downs of Broadway and going through a divorce and needing something to like have of my own. So then I started my fitness company and kept one toe into the Broadway world for a minute until it really started to take off. And then it took off and I had no time to do anything else. And I really enjoyed those crazy years in New York City of teaching live classes to 60 women and just having such a ball doing that and running around and doing private sessions and 
building that company up. And but it definitely all of that just trains you for, I think, what I'm doing today. Today, Amanda is still doing all of the things. But in early 2020, her world would be flipped upside down. As Amanda mentioned, she was on Broadway as a dancer, which is where she met her husband, Nick Cordero, a Tony-nominated actor, singer, dancer, and lead in several roles, including Waitress, Bronx Tale, and Bullets Over Broadway, where he met Amanda. In April 2020, what started out as a misdiagnosed case of pneumonia turned out to be COVID-19. Through the weeks that Nick was in the hospital, Amanda showed up every day to support and cheer for her husband. And she began sharing her whole experience with a growing social media following. There isn't much I can do. I'm here and I can't be at the hospital, but like I can play his music. And I really do believe that like that is going to help. Let's wake him up. Um, 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please join me. You know, we're all we're all at home. So just put on Nick's song, Live Your Life. It's on Spotify. Um, and just blast it in your house and play it loud and dance with your family. Hug your loved ones. Because I'm telling you, when I get to hug Nick again, it's going to be like the best day of my life. So hug your loved ones. Despite living through the unimaginable, every day, she shared an AK positive thought of the day. Move my body every day and be grateful that I can. While in the hospital, he went through countless procedures and surgeries, getting a leg amputated. And while he was there, every single day, Amanda showed up to support him and cheer him on and play his song, Live Your Life, outside his hospital window. Through all of that, she started to share her experience and galvanized an entire movement around the hashtag WakeUpNick. Guys, we might have to change our hashtag to Code Rocky because Nick Dada is awake! Yay! <laughs> Dada is awake! He is awake, guys. It, um, it is. I asked the doctor today, I was like, can we say he's awake? He is awake. Um, it's just that Nick is so weak right now. Nick has had a bad morning. Um, unfortunately, things are going a little downhill at the moment. So I am asking again for all the prayers, mega prayers, right now. So just keep us in your thoughts and prayers today. Thank you. In July 2020, Nick passed. But Amanda's indomitable spirit her dance sessions with her young son, Elvis, and her AK positive thoughts of the day have stuck with all of us. She's now a permanent co-host on the talk on CBS and continues to rally a community around her in the name of resilience and hope. Throughout Amanda's whole experience, her sister Anna was at her side. And on June 15th, the pair released a book titled Live Your Life after Nick's signature song. To give you a sense of how big the community Amanda grew was, Nick's song, Live Your Life, which 
was relatively indie before he got sick, actually peaked at number one on the iTunes charts in September 2020. I knew Amanda, and I also knew Nick. Not well, but I was lucky enough to meet him. He brought Elvis to set one day when we were filming some workout videos. And like any of us, I don't think she ever expected that she would experience such immense tragedy. But she and Anna have been able to not only live through the grief, but process the grief into a book that really leaves all of us with lessons about how we can cope with the mess that was 2020 and some of 2021, helping us find ways to live our lives, stay positive, and find the language we've all been forced to learn as a result of the pandemic, navigating those uncomfortable situations and tough conversations about loss that there's really no script for. Anna had this to share. No one knows what to say when someone you love is going through something awful and there is nothing. There is not the right thing because it changes day to day. It changes hourly, honestly. But I think what it taught me is to just read the person you love and you're trying to support and just don't worry about, am I saying the right thing or not? Because you're never going to be saying the right thing, but try to just be in tune with them and realize they know I'm a support. So say one time, if you need to call me at four in the morning because you're sobbing and you want to talk about sobbing, you pick up the phone, I will answer. Say that once. And then every other time, pick up the phone. If you tell they need to laugh, they need to laugh, make them laugh. If you tell they need it, you can see they need a good memory, do that. You don't always have to be there like, are you okay? Because mm-hmm. I think one thing we realized is no one really grieving wants to hear are you okay? Are you okay? Are you sad? How are you? No, over and over again. It's, it makes you feel worse in a weird way. And a, a person who's new to, you know, helping someone through grief thinks if I don't look devastated, they're going to think I'm, yeah. you know, care. I, I don't care. That was Amanda again. Yeah. So you understand why they act like that. I'm not doing good. Obviously <laughs> I'm still not doing good. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's almost a year of his anniversary. I'm not doing good. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's grief, guys. Like, it's it's not good. So, you know, how, it, you can say, how are you doing today? That's a, an acceptable, how are you doing? But uh, don't, uh, how are you doing? It's like yeah. the most loaded question to ask anyone who's just lost somebody. It's like, oh, God. Um, you learn things along the way in the grieving process, especially when you've never had to go through it before, what is helpful and what isn't helpful. And I would say the one of the best things I've learned, and it was from Rabbi Steve Leader, who recently came out with his book, The Beauty of What Remains. His advice is just be your authentic self. Like... The person grieving is, I equate it to like being in an astronaut suit in the middle of the universe, like looking down on the earth. Everything sounds like your head is underwater and you don't really know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so when your best friend comes over or your mom or your dad or whatever, just be your normal self. Don't put on any kind of act because then it, that makes the grieving person feel like, okay, not only did I lose my husband. Now my best friend's acting weird. Now my sister isn't calling me. Now my mom and dad are pretending like I'm making all these scenarios up. But when you think of it in that respect for the person that's trying to help the grieving person, you're like, oh gosh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm the comedian, usually just be the comedian, you know? Yeah. That's your only job. Yeah. Show up as yourself. Do you, I think what 
was so surprising. And talking to friends, honestly, who have followed your story, that they've been so inspired by how much optimism the two of you have continued to carry through the whole process. Were you surprised at yourself about how much joy and hooray you were able to keep in your life following Nick's passing? Yeah, it does always surprise me when people choose to be negative or choose the negative route or choose the negative thing to say. My brain chemistry is like, why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense to me. But I understand that's not always easy, of course. That I understand that's not everyone's chemistry. It's not always the, the something that comes right to everyone's mind. But that's always the kind of people that Anna and I have been. So yeah, when Anna got here and she sees me like doing cheerleaders and workouts right after crying with Nick at the, on FaceTime... She's like, that's right, sister. Let's go do that workout. And then let's like bake cookies and put on music and dance and take those cookies to the hospital. And we're going to make the nurses like us. (laughs) Whether they like it or not. Yeah, that's just, yeah, it's just, it is who we are innately. I mean, and I think when life throws you something bad, which I think happens to almost everybody on a weekly basis to some degree, whether it's the tiniest thing or the biggest. I think that's when you have to count your blessings because yes, you've been thrown one bad thing, but you have to look at everything else you still have and realize I have a lot. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. As Anna mentioned, we can all do a little bit more to cherish what we do have. But I imagine it's difficult not to feel guilt associated with enjoying the present. And so I wondered how Amanda navigates those mixed emotions. As somebody who's lost their partner, there's this implied guilt that like maybe you're supposed to hold on to something or behave a certain way to show that you've lost something. Did you ever feel guilty about moving forward with your life? No, because listen, the grieving person, even through every day, I could be playing tennis and smiling and and so happy. And maybe, yes, that's what I put on Instagram, but then don't worry. As soon as I get in the car, I break down in massive tears because I think about how I wish Nick could be playing tennis with me or how I 
like I shouldn't be happy right now. I feel guilty about being happy or that I just wish he was in the car with me or picking me up or so not everyone, it's impossible to see everyone's 24 seven minute by minute grieving process. That's just how it is. People will judge you, that's for sure. Come on. I think I was in Ohio at that same time that I started writing the book. And I think I, it was again, two weeks after Nick passed, I remember posting some sort of outdoor workout that I was doing, which, you know, Ella is nothing new for me. Are you ready for an awesome workout? And people were like, I can't believe you're smiling and working out two weeks after your husband passed away. And I was like, so you'd rather have me in a ball crying and shivering and shaking and not being able to move? Because guess what? That's not what Nick would want. And if you really love this story and if you're really rooting for me and if you really wanted Nick to live his life, he wants me to live my life. And he would be proud of me that I would be trying to do something to make me happy that day. And working out makes me happy. I, I never feel guilty about moving forward because I would feel guilty if I wasn't moving forward because mm -hmm. I know Nick, if he could have told me anything when he was passing, he would have said, you better not just do nothing. You better move forward. You better find love again. You better be the best mom you can be for that little boy. You better be happy. He would never want me not to be a happy person. I think the best way to actually honor someone's memory is to, honor you know, them. yeah, honor them by like, what would this person want for me? And I don't think anyone who loses someone can say, I bet what my person would want is for me to lay in bed and cry all day and, mm -hmm. and never smile again. And I think especially during all of this, we were just so aware of so happy to be together as a family, so happy to have each other, so thankful for that, so thankful for the that ability we to healthy. move, that, yeah, that we could get up and work out and dance. It makes you count your blessings, and, and those blessings should bring you joy. So even in the light of something awful, you have to focus on what you have. I would never tell anybody how to grieve. It's your own roller coaster and you just have to get in the cart and some people ride with their hands up and some people grip the bar the whole time. Sometimes, depending on who you are, and this is us, it's better to just tackle the fear than let the fear mount and mount. Let the fear tackle you. If I know there's a new thing I'm going to have to do, especially when it's scary or unknown, I would rather, and I think you're exactly the same, just dive right in and be like, I got to figure this out. Because if I stay in that state of limbo, the fear of what that next thing is going to look like to me is actually worse than the fear of just diving in. Yeah. And so I think it helps you to just go, okay, this is a new life. I got to figure it out rather than just, you could have lived in Ohio for six months with mom and dad, but every day you would have been like, what is it going to look like when I move to LA? What is it going to look like when I get back there? What am I going to do about yeah. this? And Amanda did not idle. While Nick was still in the hospital battling COVID, the offer to do the book came in. Two weeks after Nick's passing, the duo got to writing. You two just worked on a big project together, a book. Can you tell me about the book and why you decided to write it? Mm -hmm. So the book is a love story and a story of loss as well. So life and loss of my life with Nick Cordero. We decided to write it because we were asked to, <laughs> but also because I think that intuitively we both knew that this story was 
one that needed to be told and one that needed to be recorded and saved for time. I was at home in Ohio and I would put Elvis to bed and I just started writing. A, a part of it was because we had six months and so it was like I gotta start writing. But a part of it also was that Elvis was asleep and I didn't have anything to do and I didn't necessarily feel like talking to anybody. And then another part of it was that everything was still so fresh in my mind just two weeks after he passed. And there was a part of me that knew that I needed to like get certain things down on a page so that I didn't forget them. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that expedited timeline was helpful? Helpful. The other day, Amanda said to me, I don't think we could sit down and write this book right now. And I said, I completely agree. What I mean, everything was so fresh in our minds. It consumed every single second of every single day. And it was a very weird, I remember you saying, it's so weird to wake up and not go to the hospital, not like when that becomes your reality and your day is okay. Elvis, hospital, this, dinner, what's happening, sanitize, grocery store. And then all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, that's over. It's a very weird thing to be like, so wait, this isn't what we do anymore. Like we were in this routine. We're used to this. Like we're used to fighting for this and believing in it. And I think in some ways, then diving right into the book was really helpful because we were still in that routine. And it, I think it helped that adjustment period of that's not what we do all day anymore. Mm -hmm. But now we look back and we write and we reflect and yeah, like helped with the transition of, yeah. of everything, I think. Yeah, absolutely. The process of sitting, you know, with memoir yeah. is all about reflecting and searching for meaning in what you're writing about. You're not just writing down this happened. You're sitting and saying, why was that important? What does it mean? What does it remind us of? And I think doing that right away was so helpful because yeah. it was definitely a way of healing and grieving and processing and, and processing and in yeah. so many things i've gone into the self-help section of a bookstore before and searching for a book on grief and it was in the divorce section looking for a book to help me and all the titles just seemed sad and the books were very formulaic and i read it and i didn't end up feeling better it just wasn't what i needed to hear and it wasn't until I started reading stories of people who came out of a divorce happier, better, realized it was the right thing that I was like, okay, maybe books that aren't necessarily in the self-help section can actually be more helpful to yourself, depending on who you are. And I think that's why it was really important to write this too, is to realize hopefully this book will help people in a lot of different ways. Every day, Amanda gets up and has to take care of her son with Nick Elvis. All of us, after this year-plus-long, unprecedented pandemic experience, are all still coping with grief and trauma, big or small. But just like Amanda, we have to keep moving forward. And I know this book that she wrote together with her sister will help all of us, will help anyone who reads it, navigate what's next. On today's show, you heard from Amanda and Anna Klutz. To keep up with Amanda, Elvis, and their story, you can follow her on Instagram at Amanda Klutz and get your copy of Live Your Life Today pretty much anywhere you can find a book. Links to the book, her Instagram, Anna's Instagram, and some other ways to keep up with their story are in the show notes below. This episode was produced by Taylor Camille, Kate Spees, and myself, Ella Dove along with many other hands and brains at Well and Good. 
please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share the Well and Good podcast. Mixing and scoring by our sound engineer, Joanna Samuel. And our theme music was created by Madeline Lekomsky and Matt DiDomenico. Our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette. Special thanks to Jess Friedman, Allie Short, Jen Snyder, and Cassie Wolf.